Good evening. Uh, I'm just going to wait a, another minute or two because we're we'll touch early and uh, maybe people still trying to connect. It took me a couple of minutes to connect this evening. I'm not sure why the whole Zoom went. It was a bit funny for me. So we'll just wait a minute or two and then we'll start. I hope you had a good break. We're sorry that it's been a, a few weeks since we've been together again this year. The, the winter holidays always comes and gives us a little bit of a holiday, a little bit of a break in the middle. But we are in the middle of discussing the halachas of Bishel on Shabbos. We've discussed so far the concept of the drabonons of Bishel, the Chazora returning a pot to a stove on Shabbos, Shahia retaining a pot on the stove on Shabbos, and Hatmona wrapping up a pot to retain its heat with different mediums, different types of materials. And we want to discuss now this week the back to more to the basics, which is the actual halachas of Bishel itself. What constitutes a Bishel de Raisa? What constitutes a act of cooking? Which would Chasvishalm, if a person did it intentionally in the time of the base of require him a punishment of death of Skila and inadvertently a punishment not punishment, but uh, obligation to bring a carbon chatos. And this is something which is extremely relevant. The reason why we started off with the Drabonons, and we didn't discuss the Bishel first, is because we followed in the same format as the Gemara follows and the Shulchan Aruch. And that is that we're discussing the preparation for Shabbos. And as a preparation for Shabbos, the halachas of Shehir, Chazar, and Atmana are more importance and more vital than Halachas of Bishel. Bishel is only relevant on Shabbos itself. But once we began the preparation for Shabbos with Atmona and Shihir and Chazorah, it's uh, appropriate for us to move on to the Halachas of Bishel itself. Now, Bishel takes a number of formats in Chazal. Bishel was found in the Mishkan. It was found in the Mishkan in the context of cooking Samamonim, cooking dyes, the way you, you create a dye is you take the herbs and the other items that are going to create the dye. You cook it in a vat, in a big pot, for a long time, many hours, 24 hours. And therefore, there was an act of cooking in the in the Mishkan. We find the act of baking in the Mishkan with regards to baking the breads. So the lechem upon him was baked. So we have baking in the Mishkan. We had the cooking of water in the Mishkan. So we have the concept of cooking in the Mishkan, and therefore it's one of the Lamates Malachas, one of the 39 Malachas that we have to refrain from over Shabbos. Cooking, baking, frying, are all under the banner of Bishel and Afia, all part of the Malacha de Raisa of Bishel and Afia that's found in the Mishkan. What's interesting is that if you heat up metal till it softens, or if you soften wax, melt wax, or heat up chelev, pats, or tar. These are things that the item changes its consistency and its chemical makeup through a process of heat. That also is under the banner of cooking. Meleches Bishel. You may find Meleches Bishel if you are trying to make a earthenware piece of pottery. And you put it in the oven to enable it to harden and take and bake so that it becomes a usable piece of pottery. That is also a malacha or bishul. 
So Bishon has a very wide range of practicalities in in the context of what's called a malacha and what's not called a malacha. But what's really relevant to us is to understand the parameters of Bishul and Afia in our kitchen, because these are things that we will come across almost weekly. Every single Shabbos, we will come across situations of Bishul, advertently or inadvertently, without even realizing. What we're trying to do in share tonight and in the coming Shurim is to create awareness of where you might come across the concept of Bishul, the Malacha Bishul, in your kitchen or in your dining room whilst you're eating in a average Shabbos. Malachas Bishul carries a punishment of skila if it's done intentionally, as we mentioned, and a obligation for chatos. But chazal, in order to protect Klalisrol from inadvertently or even advertently coming to cook, they added an extra layer of stringency when it comes to Malachas Bishul. And that is if a person cooks intentionally on Shabbos, then it's forbidden for him to eat that food forever. Forbidden for him to eat that food forever. It's forbidden for everybody else to eat it until Matzai Shabbos. The Gon says that it's permitted for him as well on Matzai Shabbos, but the Mechabah says that the Chazal found the Melach Bishul needed that extra chizuk, that they banned the person who cooked intentionally from ever benefiting from that food, ever, and anybody else throughout Shabbos. Now that is going to minimize the the drive for a person to come to cook on Shabbos inadvertently or advertently because cooking on Shabbos is going to have no purpose. I cannot benefit from it, ever. And even my visitors, my guests cannot partake of it through Shabbos. So there's no purpose in me to come and cook on Shabbos. And I gave a Kalisol an extra layer of protection with Chazal understanding the, the the subconscious of a person is so much that we should be able to deliver our food, serve our food to our guests and to our family, and it's got to look good and be good. And it, it means it's very important. It means enormous amount to each and every one of us. Therefore, they had to put in extra layers of protection. Cooking, Shabbos, Bemezid, cannot eat forever. If you cooked inadvertently, if you cooked Beshegig, then it's forbidden for him or for everybody else to eat it until Matzoi Shabbos, according to the Mechaber. The Gon says that it's Shegig you can eat. They didn't ban Shegig, they only banned Bemezid. But Beshegig you can eat. Mishnaburu tells us that in a Drabonon, if it's a situation of a cooking Drabonon, which will come across some of those situations, then you can be makel on the gong. You can allow, if it was b'shegek, you can allow yourself to partake from that food. But b'mezid, asloiloilom. In fact, this issa of not benefiting from this cooking that was done on Shabbos goes one step further. Not only is the food forbidden, but the pot is considered treif. Because this pot now has bleas of food that was cooked on Shabbos. And therefore you need to kasha that pot for the person who cooked to be able to partake of any food that ever is cooked in that pot from that Shabbos onwards. It's always going to have bleas. It's always going to have the taste of the food that was cooked on Shabbos, which is forbidden to him. And therefore, Chazal obligated him to even kasha that pot to enable him to reuse that pot again. So we begin to get a picture of how serious, every Moloch is serious, but how worried Chazal were with regards to Melech's Bishel.
We've seen this in, in the Melacha of Shehir, why Chazal didn't allow us to retain food, why they didn't allow us to wrap food, why we cannot return food to a pot, even though there's no Melechah's Bishon involved because it's fully cooked, etc., etc. And that's because Chazal understood that inadvertently we may come to be Mechata the Gecholim, to stoke the coals because we're so desperate for our food to be hot and tasty and look covered Shabbos. But because of that desperation, we can so easily slip into a Chidl Shabbos. So therefore Chazal added Issa Shihir, Issa Chazora, no retaining a pot on the, on the flame before Shabbos, as we've discussed the parameters. No returning a pot to the flame of Shabbos, as we've discussed the parameters. And no Hatamana. And here they added another layer. If a person did inadvertently or advertently or intentionally cook on Shabbos, he may not benefit throughout that Shabbos, not him and not his guests. And if it was intentionally, he may not benefit forever from that food or from the pot. So we get a bit of a picture of how serious we have to take Malachas Bishel and how observant we have to be in understanding the parameters of where we can inadvertently slip into a Malachas Bishel. We already discussed in the past that if a non-Jew cooks for a chayla, if a non-Jew cooks food from scratch for a chayla, an ill person is allowed to have a non-Jew cooking for them. No problem at all. But Chazal forbade a healthy person from partaking of that food. Again, because Chazal understood food plays an important role in our lives, an extremely important role in our lives. Most of us are not able to go a few hours without food. We're constantly, food is constantly in our mind. And therefore the risk of cooking or something going wrong in Malachi Shabbos is so enormous that Chazal added layer after layer after layer of protection. And therefore, even a non-Jew cooks for a chayla, which is perfectly permitted, it's forbidden for a healthy person to eat that food until Matzai Shabbos. After Matzai Shabbos, he can eat it immediately. He does not need to wait what's known as the shear of, of Kadesh Yasu. He can eat it immediately Matzai Shabbos. That level of protection, Chazal felt, was not necessary. But on Shabbos, no good. We find Chazal again, added an extra layer of protection because what would happen if a person wants to cook in what we call second-generation heat? Second-generation heat, for example, first-generation heat is a fire. So you have a, a pot on a flame that we understand is first-generation heat. That's bishul, that's cooking. What would happen if I took the pot off the flame, but the pot is now hot, the side of the wall of the pot is hot. So I take my egg, I crack my egg, and I put it on top of the side of the pot, and now the heat of the pot is going to make my, my is going to cook my egg. So I haven't cooked with directly on a first generation heat on on a flame, but I have cooked on what we call second generation heat. Toldois oil. It's a second generation heat source. It's the heat that came originally from a flame, but is now being held in the walls of this pot, for example. And the fact that the pots of the, the walls of the pot are hot enables me to cook. I can put a bit of a dough on it and it may cook, it may bake. I can put an egg on it and it will cook. That's also bishul. That's bishul. Now, because that's bishul, Chazal went one stage further and they said, we're so worried about people coming to cook that they banned cooking on a second generation, what we call toldus hachamo, second generation of sun, which means if a person wants to cook on Shabbos using pure direct sunlight, that doesn't have a, a context of cooking. Cooking has to be a flame, has to be a heat that's, that's a, a, a heat producing a material that, that, that cooks. Sun is not considered a Melechus Bishel on Shabbos. 
And you're allowed to cook in the sun of Shabbos, technically. You can cook with the sun of Shabbos. However, a toldos oil, a toldos chamer, sorry, a toldos a second generation heat, which comes from the sun, which you turn around logically and would say, oh, well, if I can cook in the sun, for sure, I can cook in the second generation heat, which is a, we should produce by the sun. But Hechazah said, no. If we allow you to cook on second generation heat of the sun, so for example, if it's boiling hot out, can I cook an egg on the bonnet of my car? Or, in the words of Chazal, I have some material that's been left in the sun and is boiling hot. Can I cook an egg on that material? Say Chazal, if we allow you to cook on a toldos hachamo, on a second generation heat, which is produced by sun, then we are worried that you might come to cook on what's known as toldos o, a second generation heat, second generation heat which was produced by fire. And that's wrong, that's awesome. We're not worried that you will come and make a mistake from cooking in direct sunlight to direct fire because there's no comparison. Everybody knows that the sun is a sun and the fire is a fire. But when I'm looking at the toldos hacham, or the second generation of the sun, which is the same material as a material of second generation fire, both a piece of metal, one was heated by fire, one was heated by the sun, but they're both boiling hot, and I'm cooking in a manner that's identical if it's toldos in order to stop and prevent a person from coming to cook in a toldos oil, a second generation heat, which is produced by fire, for example, the side of a pot, they banned us from cooking toldos hachamo with the second generation heat produced by the sun. That, that's how far Chazal went. Chazal understood the need for us to cook and eat is so great that if we don't put all these parameters in place, we are going to end up crossing a red line of Bishop. So as a background, that gives us a little bit of an understanding of the importance that Chazal placed on Issa Bishop when it comes to Shabbos, and why we need to spend time methodically and as slowly as we can, working through where we will find Malechus Bishop in our kitchen. Let's begin by discussing the different types of sources of heat. Now, we're talking about heat from fire. We're not talking about Toldos Chama that we've discussed. We're leaving that aside now. We're talking about different levels of, let's change the wording, different levels of concentration of heat produced by a fire that we can find in our kitchen. And each of those will have a different context in Malechus Bishel. At times it will be considered Menechus Bishel, and at times it may not be considered Menechus Bishel. So, for example, we have the source of fire, which is a flame. A flame. A pot that's placed on the flame with food inside is called a Kali Rishon. A Kali Rishon, it's the first level of heat in a pot. The first level of heat is a pot that's directly on a flame, on a source of fire, on a source of heat produced by fire. I put a pot on my gas, and that pot is called Kali Rishon. It's called a Kali because that's what it is. And it's called Rishon because it's direct. It's first, it's it's at the, the point of one where it is together with the fire. So we call it a Kali Rishon. A Kali Rishon then when it's taken off the flame, is still called a Kali Rishon because it's the original pot that was on the flame. But it's a Kali Rishon which is now not on the flame. One is a Kedirishin al-Gabho Eish, and one is a Kedirishin Shaloi al-Gabho Eish. Both have the context of a Kedirishin. They both have the heat which is being held inside the pot, which was produced directly by fire. 
That's a calorition. And that's the most powerful source of heat. On the flame, most powerful source of heat. Off the flame, second most powerful source of heat. If you would then take the food that's inside that pot and transfer it to a second pot, a cold pot, second pot, that second pot cannot be called a calorition because it was never on the flame. So that second pot is now called a Kaili Shani. We have now a new, two new contexts to think about. We've discussed, we've mentioned the Kalirishan on the flame. We've mentioned the Kalirishan off the flame. But as I pour it into a Kaili Shani, I have a third element of Kalirishan that we need to be aware of. And that is what's known as Irui Kalirishan, the pouring of a Kalirishan. I have the food inside the pot of a Kalirishan on a flame. I have the food inside the pot of a Kalirishan off the flame. And the food poured from the Kalirishan. That food has a intense heat to it, but not the same level of heat as it had when it was inside the pot. Because as you pour it, you're opening up to the elements. The element is cold. It's going to cool it down. It may cool it down only minimally. It may not be felt by human touch, but it's cooling it down somewhat. And it will minimize its ability to cook. But it's still a context of Kalirishan, it's iru Kalirishan. When it lands into the second pot, that pot cannot be called the Kalirishan anymore because it was never on the flame. flame. That pot is now called the Kalishani. The food has gone through another stage of cooling. The pot is going to cool it down because the pot was never on the fire. So this pot is cold. It's cold. So when the hot food comes into the pot, it's going to cool it somewhat. Very quickly, that hot food is going to heat up the sides and it's going to heat up the pot. But it's not the same level of heat as a Kalirishan, and not as a Kalirishan Shalayagabaish, and not even as a Iru Kalirishan. Its context is Kalishani. Does it have the ability to cook? That's what we will discuss. Can it cook? Can it not cook? In some circumstances, we will see it can cook. In some circumstances, we will see it can't cook. We then go on from there to pour it from a Kalishani into a Kalishlishi. Again, we have a two new contexts. The Iru Kalishani, the pouring of the Kalishan has now come out of the pot and is again open to the elements, which is going to reduce its potent heat somewhat. And then when it enters into the Kalishlishi, it's moved into a third vessel, which is cool, which is going to cool it down a little bit more. Now, when I put my finger in a boiling food that's in a Kalishlishi and I put it in a Kalishan, I may not notice a difference, but there is, say Chazal, a huge difference in the potential for this food to actually cook. And therefore, we need to understand in Hilchus Bishul the context of a Kalirishan, the context of a Kalirishan Shaloyagabaish, the context of Iru Kalirishan, the context of the Kalishani, the context of Iru Kalishani, and then the context of Kalishlishi and so on. We never go beyond the Kalishlishi. Kalishlishi is the furthest we will discuss, but beyond Kalishlishi is always the same as Kalishlishi. So Kalishlishi is the last stage of heat that we will be discussing when we discuss the different levels and types of cooking using those mediums of heat. Kedirishan, Alaish, Kedirishan, Shloya Gabaish, Iru Kedirishan, Kedishani, Iru Kedishani, and Kedishlishi. We have different types of foods, different levels of foods, which we already mentioned in the previous shurim, which is relevant to cooking. We have a raw food, that's never been cooked, which of course cooking is going to change the 
chemical makeup of that food, then that will be considered a real cooking. We have food which has been cooked, Michael Ben it's partially cooked, either a third or half. Does that still come into the category of raw food that if one would do an action of cooking on it, it would be considered cooking or not? That's something we need to discuss. We have fully, fully cooked food. Fully cooked food. Can you cook a fully cooked food, which we've discussed already, aim bishalach abishal. But is that true across the board? As we've discussed, that's not quite true across the board. When it comes to a solid, we may say aim bishalach abishal. But when it comes to a liquid, we may not say aim bishalach abishal. And again, we would have to rediscuss the parameters of aim bishalach abishal with regards to a solid and a liquid. We have baked foods. Can you cook a baked food? Yes, bishalach afiyah, as we've discussed. So there's a context of cooking a fully baked food, but because it's baked and not cooked, the cooking process will again change the chemical makeup of that baked good, that, that those baked good, that, that baked good, that baked uh, bread, whatever it is, and therefore it will be included under the ban of cooking. Yes, We have frying. Is frying under the banner of cooking? Is it not under the ban of cooking? We have roasting. Is that different to slir, to, to bishel? Is it under the category of bishel? Can I cook a roasted item? Can I not cook a roasted item on Shabbos? And this has relevance to everything that we eat in our Shabbos table. There's different types of methods of cooking. The simpler, simplest type of cooking that we constantly and normally talk about is putting a pot on the flame. But there's a context of putting a pot on a flame and allowing somebody else to come along and light the flame. The Rambam says there's all five people, people who make the fire, put the pot on the flame, put the pot on the gas, could be are considered a part of the process of cooking. And then we have mixing foods. Mixing foods. It's fully cooked, fully cooked on the flame. And I put my spoon in to take out the cholent. And when I put my spoon and take out the cholent, I'm mixing. I'm doing a haggosa. Is that called a bishul? Is it not called a bishul? And that's, again, a huge discussion in the Rishonim. Rambam, the Kolboy, and other Rishonim. Is haggosa called bishul or is it not called bishul? And that would have huge connotations for us. Can we take cholent out when it's on the flame? Or can we not? And which types of foods are called mixable? Which Which types of food are not called mixable? The foods that... Is a chicken soup called mixable? If I put a spoon in a chicken soup, have I mixed? Do we say it's only when it comes to a solid? And then we need to remember that the level of heat retained in food will differentiate in the different mediums of food. A liquid will cool down quicker than a solid. It's known in the words of, of the halacha, a difference between a dover lach and a dover gush. And the reason why there may be a difference is because the double lach spreads out across the walls of the of the pot or of the plate, and therefore the walls of the plate are going to heat are going to cool it down and it'll cool down quicker. And therefore we may have in a kedushani less heat in a liquid than you may have in a solid. You take your cholent straight off the off the pot and you put it into your plate. Your plate is now kedushani. That solid is not going to cool down as quickly as a liquid. So do we have the context of a Kedishani in a solid, or do we not have the context of a Kedishani in a solid? If we get to the stage where we understand that Kedishani cannot cook, 
Is that across the board or is that only with liquids? And these are all important parts of discussion. For example, I'll give you just a number of examples that we have to come come to some understanding by, by going working our way through the parameters. Can I put soup croutons in a soup? Can I put lakshan in a soup? Can I make a pot noodle on Shabbos? Can I make a cocoa on Shabbos? How do I make a coffee on Shabbos? Can I have a salad on the same plate as my cholent on Shabbos? An uncooked, fresh vegetable salad on the same plate as my cholent on Shabbos. These are areas of bishul that we will come across throughout the halachas as we discuss them. Can I add salt to my soup when it's on the on the gas? Because I had the taste of it and it really needs an extra bit of salt in it. Can I put a bit of sugar in my cholent on Shabbos? Can I add spices to my soup? Even to my plate, my, my plated soup. Can I add pepper to my cholent? Because I'm one of these people that love peppering all my food. I don't really, but just in case uh, uh, there is somebody out there who does. These are real serious questions of Bishel. Can I dip my bread into my plated soup? Can I not? All these are halachas which are extremely relevant to us in the kitchen, and we need to really understand the parameters of Bishel as best as we can so we can get clarity as to what we can do and what we can't do. So let's just run through some of the basic parameters and see how far we get this week, and then we'll come back in the next year, Metzashem, and we'll we'll expand on what we've discussed this week. So let's begin from the basics. I have a raw piece of food, a raw piece of food, Dry, a raw, dry piece of chicken, or I have a cold liquid, and I put it on a flame, and I cook it. That's a malechus bishul in its simplest form. And because there's bishul with raw foods or cold liquids, I may not put that food near a flame, on a flame. I may not put it near a source of heat that may cook that food, because if it does cook, and it reaches Liyad Soledas, I have now done a Melechus Bishul on Shabbos. So I cannot put it next to a cooker, I cannot put it next to my urn, I cannot put it next to a radiator, because all those, if it will enable that food to reach Yad Soledas, or the liquids to reach Yad Soledas, I have transgressed the Melechus Bishul. And therefore I have to make sure that if I'm heating up my souffle on Shabbos, or whatever it may be, if it's liquid, then I may not put it on a source of heat. Even if that source of heat is not problematic with regards to Shahir, Chazor, or Atmona, but it's going to enable the food to reach Yatzeledes, that's Bishel. If the food's fully cooked, if the food's fully cooked, then I have no problem. If I don't have any any, any issues with Chazor, or Shahir, or Atmona, then I can place it next to a source of heat, and it can get as hot as it likes. It can be freezing cold, and I can place it next to a source of heat, because ain bishel, acha bishel. You cannot change the chemical makeup of a cooked food by cooking it again. It'll do nothing. You may heat it up, but you're not changing the chemical makeup of the food, and therefore it's not considered a new act of cook- cooking. However, liquids, as we discussed, which have cooled down completely, we consider that non-cooked again, and by cooking, you're changing the makeup of the, of the liquid. And there would be, a, that would constitute a malacha de rice or bishel. So cold cooked food is permitted as long as we don't have any issues with chazara 
that's shihir, and that's mono, cold liquid will be a problem. So if you have a pot of tea, which is cooled down, you cannot put it on top of your urn to heat up, because it may heat to yatsa lettuce, and you will chasvishon and transgress on a lock of bishul. How cold is called cold? We've discussed that already in Machlekes. According to the Mechabas, once it's cooled down from the cooking, it's gone to a Kedi Shani, that would be considered... So once it's cooled down to Yad Seledes, that's considered cold, that you cannot put it back. According to the Ramah, it's got to be cold enough that you wouldn't enjoy drinking it. It's completely cold. Then that we call Bishul Acha Bishul on a Dovalach. Something which is only partially cooked. A Michael Ben Drusoy is a big Machlekes Vishenim. Can you Consider that cooked, and therefore I can leave it now next to a source of heat to continue the cooking process, because once it's reached Michael Bendrusoy, we consider the chemical change in the food to have been, majority of it to to have been accomplished, and what's going to transpire with it, the additional cooking is not really changing much of the chemical makeup. It's just a little bit more, but not not enough to consider it bishal. Or do we say no, since it's not fully cooked, the partial bishal that's going to be carried out now with this continuation of the food being on a source of heat is considered bishul, and therefore a melacha deraisa and that's a machlokes v'shenim a big machlokes v'shenim how we paskins machlokes in the gemara machlokes v'shenim and therefore halacha we are machme we do not put a food which is partially cooked on a source of heat and that's very very important because sometimes we find in the cooking process we only cook food two thirds or a third or a half because we don't want it to dry out. And then come Shabbos morning, we're going to put it on a hot plate and let the hot plate uh, finish off the cooking. So when it comes to the meal, it'll be just the perfect the perfect texture and heat and and, and uh, moist and etc. That could be a melach or bishon Shabbos. On Yom Tov, one can do that, because there's no problem with cooking on Yom Tov. But on Shabbos, that would be a problem. Where we find a slight leniency in a food which is a Michael Bendrusoy before Shabbos and the rest of the cooking was continued on Shabbos intentionally or not intentionally is not in the allowance of allowing you to do it, you're not allowed to do it Chazal were a little bit more makely in that case, it's not Chazal, the halacha is a bit more makely in that case, if you asked a non-Jew to finish off the cooking process on a food which is already cooked a Michael Bendrusoy and here, since there are some Rishonim who say that this is already considered fully cooked, we don't consider the act of the non-Jew continuing the cooking process to be what we categorize as a Maise Shabbos, a Maise Akoman Shabbos. And therefore, if the non-Jew did finish the cooking process, we would allow you to eat it, but the Ebed on Shabbos. But for a Jew to take a pot, which is Kamaychel Ben and put it on the flame, or put it on a source of heat, even not on a flame, next to a source of heat, they will continue to cook, could constitute the malach of the rice, according to many shining official, and we try to avoid chil shabbos as best as we can, even if it's only according to some opinions, and therefore we do not allow ourselves to put a pot, which is commercial benjusoy, near a flame, which could continue the cooking process on shabbos. If I take a raw piece of food and I put it into a keli rishon, which is not on the fire, so it's not cooked by direct heat, 
It's been cooked now by Kaylee Rishon. So I have a pot of hot water and I take a chicken, small piece of chicken, and I put it into the pot of hot water and I leave it there for 15 minutes. The water's boiling. It'll cook. It'll cook. That's called Bishel. Kaylee Rishon, even Shaloi Al Gabo Eish, not on the flame, is cooking. And if it's cooking, you've transgressed on the loch of the rice. But the interesting halacha here is that even though we normally say ein bishel acha bishel, but because this cooking wasn't cooked directly from the fire, it was only cooked in the keli rishon, you cannot return that that piece of food that was cooked in the keli rishon even to a keli rishon on Shabbos, because we're worried that the cooking process of a keli rishon isn't a complete cooking process, and you may actually be doing more cooking by putting it back in a second time. But what we would allow you to do would be to heat it up in a keli sheni. So I can take a pot of hot water, pour it into a second pot, and then put that piece of chicken, which has been cooked in a keli rishon, not on a flame, in a keli rishon, on a flame for sure, but even a keli rishon, I can put that into my keli sheni and allow it to heat up. Because a keli sheni will not cook something that's already been cooked in a keli rishon. The heat of a keli sheni is that much less that it will not be able to add the, to the cooking process of something that was already cooked in the Kaili Rishon. So you get a bit of an idea of the complexities of Bishel and why Bishel is, is so relevant. Can I make a pot noodle on Shabbos, for example? It's a question I'm asked all the time. Now, a pot noodle has lakshan inside, which has been cooked and then hydrated and, and dried. It has spices, which have probably never been cooked. It has uh, uh, vegetables which have been cooked and, and uh, dried. Is that cons- considered cooking? Is it not considered cooking? These are very difficult questions. And the truth is, I don't even have the answer to them. Uh, to my best of my understanding, a lakshin in a, in a pot noodle has already been cooked. And if you cannot cook it a second time, it's not a problem. But the, the spices may be problematic. So let's run through a few examples of where cooking could be relevant from what we've already discussed. So person has a pot of soup on the flame Friday night and the wife comes home or the husband comes home and she tastes it before she serves it and he or she tastes it before they serve it and they realize that it needs it needs a little bit more spicing up. It doesn't have the usual tam. doesn't have that wonderful Friday night taste. So you go to the cupboard and you're going to take your spices out and you're going to Sprinkle some spices, some pepper and some paprika. I have no idea what you put in, in soup. So if I've got it wrong, please forgive me. But you've got to put some pepper and some paprika and some uh, garlic powder into your soup and give it that extra boost. That could be, not could be, would be, and that would constitute a malechas bishul derisive. Because you've taken spices, which are not cooked, and you're putting them into a kedirishan. Forget the malacha of chazara if it's on the flame. Even if it's off the flame, where there's no chazara, you're taking spices. You're putting it into a kedirishan. Kedirishan has the power to cook, whether it's on the flame or even if it's off the flame. Taking those spices, putting it into a kedirishan would be a malechas bishul. Or if you want to add some lakshan to your pot of soup, Fantastic idea. Just before you serve it, you throw the lakshan into the soup, wait three minutes, the lakshan will cook, 
and then you come, you serve really beautiful gewaldige fried in a chicken soup with lakshin in. You have now done a malach of cooking lakshin. Lakshin, which comes out of the packet, is not cooked. It needs cooking. You put it in the pot and you let the keli rishin cook. That's a malachas bishul deraisa. And you've cooked in your pot. The same would apply to adding croutons to your soup. Adding croutons to your soup in the keli rishin. We will discuss adding croutons to your plate, but as I'll show a bit later. Probably not today, but we will come, we will come to discussing uh, Katie Shaney. But in a Katie Rishon, I'm going to add my croutons because it's much easier for me. I just throw them all into the, into the pot and then I serve them to, with, with, uh, with the soup and everything's easy. I've now cooked those croutons. Croutons which have only been baked are therefore susceptible, susceptible to cooking because yes, Bishalach here. And if I put them into my Katie Rishon, a Katie Rishon is powerful. It's hot. It's the heat, the heat is, is powerful enough to cook. I've now cooked a baked item. Yes, Bishalach Afir. That would be considered a Melechah Bishal Minatayah. However, if you take the croutons that have been deep fried, like the little yellow squared, when we were kids, they used to come in long sticks. Today, they come in little squares. They've been deep fried. If it's been deep fried, then they've already been cooked. Deep frying is the same as cooking. No difference if you're cooking water, if you're cooking oil, you've cooked. And therefore, those deep fried Croutons, I can't say they're very healthy, but they can be put even into a kederishim, shaloya gaboyesh, which is not on the flame. Because if it's on the flame, then you've got chazara. You can't do that anyway. But shaloya gaboyesh, maybe I can. If it's deep fried, then there's no problem with bishul. That would be, that would be okay. If you came and you found your soup was too strong, which can happen. Been on the flame for a while. It's, uh, cooked a bit more. And it's become a stronger soup. It's a little bit too strong to serve. So you want to water it down. So you go to the tap, you take a cup of water, and you pour it into your soup, into your pot. You've now cooked that water in a keli rishon. And by cooking, by pouring that water into a keli rishon, you've cooked it, and you've now chasrashal and transgressed a melach of bishal on that water. And not only water, if you come on Friday night and you find that your soup has evaporated somewhat and you need some extra soup and you've got a bit more in the fridge, so you take it out of the fridge and you add it to your soup. What's wrong with that? I'm adding soup to soup so that I can actually serve a decent portion to all my guests. That could be a malach official because soup that's cooled down is a lach which is cooled, and a davalach, which is cooled, is yesh bishalach abishal. I can recook liquids that have cooled down, and adding my cool soup to my hot soup, which is a kederishin on the flame, off, off the flame, sorry, not on the flame, off the flame, even that would be considered cooking. You've cooked the cold soup. Malechas bishal min hatayr, according to those opinions, that yesh bishalach abishal with davalach. If you have a liquid, for example, a baby's bottle, cold milk, which you need to heat up. So, fantastic idea. You've got a hot pot off the flame. It's off the flame. You're going to just put the bottle, the bottle inside the hot pot. You put that baby's bottle just to cool, just to heat up. Not doing anything else. You just want it to get to this, to the level of heat that will be comfortable for the baby to drink. Fantastic. You're really caring mother, a caring father, but that would constitute the Malechas Bishal Min Because you put, a uncooked or cold liquid into a 
Kalirishan. And in a Kalirishan, that's called cooking. But to put your chicken pieces into your Kalirishan, which have already been cooked, this chicken has already been cooked properly, baked in the oven, but cooked with liquid, roasted in the roaster bags, it's got liquid in it. You've cooked it properly in a tray, it's got liquid in it, so it's cooked. You want to take that cold chicken, you like to serve some chicken pieces together with your chicken and chicken soup, and you uh, grate them and you put them on top of your chicken soup. You've got cream of chicken soup, I don't know what it is, and you, on top of it you're going to lie a, a beautiful pattern of, of sliced chicken. No problem at all. You can put that even in your pot, because that chicken is cooked. You cannot recook a cooked solid, and therefore you can actually put it into your kalirishan as long as it's not on the flame. Had it been on the flame, it would be problematic, because you'd be transgressing the drabonon of Chazor. And the same would apply to Lokshan, if you've cooked it before Shabbos, and Knedlach, if you've cooked them before Shabbos, you can add them to your kalirishan, which is not on the flame of Shabbos, because none of that is considered cooking. These are solids, and there's no bishel achabishel on a dove yovish once it's been cooked fully. Salt and sugar are slightly different. Salt is a spice that's already been cooked. The way our salt is produced, it's gone through a cooking process. That's how they evaporate the liquid, the water, and they're left with the, the salt at the bottom. And that's how they produce salt. So the salt has actually been cooked. But salt has a slightly different context to it. And that's because when you put salt into a pot, the salt will melt. It'll, uh, it, it'll break up into the soup. Now, then we have a question. Does that a salt, which is something is an item of solid, but when you put it into the heat, it's going to begin to melt and break down. Is that called a liquid? Is that called a solid? And that's a discussion in halacha. And therefore the Mishnah Buddha tells us, and he quotes from many G'dayli Aposkim, that it's best to be machme and not to put salt in your kalirishan. Do not put salt in your kalirishan. If you need to salt the soup, make sure it's not in your kalirishan. In a kalishani perhaps, but not in your kalirishan. The same applies with sugar. If you want to put sugar in your kalirishan, now why you want to put sugar in your chicken soup, I have no idea. But if you want to put sugar in your in your pot, in your cholent, some people like sugar in the cholent, gives it a, a slightly uh, sweeter taste, perhaps. And you want to put the sugar in a Shabbos, again, you have the same problem. Sugar is something that melts when it encounters heat. It breaks down, and therefore it becomes syrupy. That, therefore, is maybe considered a double lach. And even though it's already been cooked, our, our sugar has again been cooked in the process of manufacturing the sugar. It's been cooked. And therefore I may consider it ain't bishalacha bishal, but but since it does melt and turn into a, some sort of liquid in the heat, in the, in the pot, in the food, the hot food that you put it into, therefore again one should avoid putting it into a kadirishan to get around any risk of that be considered a bishal on a dovalach. Yes, bishalacha bishal, but dovalach. So I think we begin to get an idea of the, the relevance of the parameters of Hilchus Bishel. And we've really only spoken about Kalirishan. We know that on the flame is cooking, but we've discussed the Kalirishan itself. Just want to quantify one or two things that we've discussed so that nobody should go away from, from here making a mistake. Pouring cold water into a boiling hot chicken soup is only also, or cold soup in a boiling hot chicken soup is only also if you're going to pour a small amount. A small amount or a large amount, but drip it in in small drips. 
So then every drip that falls into the pot is going to become, going to be cooked as it gets, as it hits the hot food inside. But I'm going to take a large pot of cold water or cold soup and pour it into my hot soup in one go. And because the majority, the, the large amount of liquid that's been poured in and it's cold is, is large enough that it will cool down the soup before the soup has the ability to heat up the new soup that you poured in. That means the soup that you're pouring in, which is cold, will cool down the hot soup quicker than the hot soup can heat up the cold soup. Then that's not a problem with Bishnah Shabbos and that you can do. So, for example, if you have a boiling hot liquid and you want to add some baby milk to it, to it, to it if you add enough baby milk in one go that it's not going to be able to be heated up by the liquid that's in the bottle, that will be permitted to do a Shabbos. Understandably, this is only if it's not on the flame. If it's on the flame, then you have done a nice official. Because on the flame, it doesn't matter that you've cooled down the liquid when you pour the cold water in, but you've actually put cold water on a, in a pot on a flame on Shabbos. And that would be a Melech's Bishel. Now, of course, that's no good. I'm just going to finish off with one more qualification of what we've discussed. Again, to show us the importance of how to be, how careful we need to be and how careful Chazal were when it came to Melech's Bishel. What would happen if somebody inadvertently put tavlin, spices, into his food on Shabbos? Would he be allowed to then eat that food? Would he not allowed to eat that food? And if there was no tavlin in the food before Shabbos, or he put in a large amount of tavlin that would have spiced up the food on its own, then for sure you cannot partake of that food on Shabbos because you've cooked the tavlin. This food is now only truly edible or enjoyably edible because of the food that you cooked on Shabbos. That's forbidden for you to partake of that food. Like we expressed, we expressed earlier, food that's been cooked on Shabbos cannot be eaten on Shabbos. And even if it was inadvertently cooked on Shabbos, according to the Mechabe, it cannot be eaten on Shabbos. Where we have a discussion here is, if I put in just an additional spice to give it that extra kick, the Mishnaburah, the Chavaz Chaim, has a sophic here. Do we say, since it's possible for the, the food to be eaten without this extra kick, it was okay, it just wasn't the most enjoyable food, but it was very edible. Do we say, therefore, that the Melechus Bishel that was carried out here doesn't ban this food from being eaten because it hasn't actually been the cause for you to be able to eat this food? Or do we say no? Since this food has now been improved by the tavlinin, by the spices, we shouldn't be allowed to partake of this food throughout Shabbos. And that's a sophic in the Chofetz Chaim. That's a, 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 a doubt, which a halachic sophic, which he doesn't come to a conclusion. And we'll leave it as a sophic. But that gives us again an understanding of the importance of being careful in a kitchen. So just to recap, we've learned that a cooking process can take on a number of forms. Cooking on a, on a direct heat, heat source is the primary Melechus Bishel. Kedi Rishon is a hot enough source of heat that can also cook. And therefore, there's enormous amount of relevance to remember that the pot that you take off the flame and you put down on the side is still a cooking machine. It has the ability to cook. And whatever we put in it, we have to be careful. We have to make sure. If we have residue of food on, a, on, a, on the ladle, is that food being cooked? Has it not been cooked? Is it liquid? Is it a solid? What is it? This can be, can be relevant to filling up a cup of hot water. 
from the urn, which we'll discuss Hashem, in the coming year. There's so many different variables of these situations. But I hope this week we've given you a beginning of a background to Malachas Vishal. We will come back with in two weeks' time, Monday, two weeks. We will elaborate a bit more on the Kedi Rishon, and then on the Kedi Iru Kedi Rishon, and then Kedi Shani, and Iru Kedi Shani, and what's known as, as, uh, Kale Abishal, items of food are considered Kale Abishal, that it's easier to be cooked even in a lesser level of heat. These are all things which are extremely relevant in our kitchens and in our sodas that we take place on Shabbos. I wish you all a very good night. I hope you've uh, managed to follow. And Be'ez HaShem, we will elaborate next week. Be'ez HaShem. Have a really good night.